It is 2100 Eastern Time, and you know what that means. Your favorite tavern to talk a little bit of treason. That's right. The Green Dragon Tavern and the boys are back here. Sons of Liberty live on the air. And man, we are going to have an exciting show for all of you out there. It is going to be jam-packed because there is a massive amount of news and stuff that we really need to cover in this live show. Of course, you see Sons of Liberty Live 32 False Flag Mortar Shell Edition in reference to this uh, crazy mortar attack that is kind of sort of questionable. But it now it now is seeming to put a few pieces in motion ratcheting the tensions up just a little bit we're going to be breaking that down and we are going to be diving into it but first but first i want to give a big shout out to one of the inspirations for this podcast for the uh live stream of course which is an outgrowth out of the podcast um who sadly we lost one year ago today, uh, the legendary, probably the most important voice in talk radio. There would be no podcasting. Uh, there would be nothing in this genre um, had it not been for this man. And of course, that is uh, the great one who had talent on loan from God as he loved to troll people on the air. Uh, the great, Rush Limbaugh, and I just wanted to give a shout out to him. I was uh, in the middle of getting a lot of stuff done earlier today and uh, spent a lot of time on the road and realized uh, quickly as I had uh, some talk radio going in the back, um, running in the background, that it was one year ago that we lost him. And, um, you know, it's... he, he, seriously, when I say that there would be no podcasting, there would be no, um, there wouldn't be anything in this genre had it not been for Limbaugh. And um, pretty, you know, that, that's, that's pretty amazing to think that, you know, there were talk radio show hosts before that and everything, but there was nobody like him. Uh, nobody like him, and he was definitely a man of his era uh, coming along when he did in uh, throughout the, the 1990s and the turmoil of the 1990s, and uh, bringing, bringing a lot of the ideas of the new right of uh, William F. Buckley 
and that crowd and really bringing it to a stage in American politics and in a way that had not been done by his peers previously. And so uh, in losing him, that, that was that was uh, leaving all of us with very big shoes to fill, but in doing so has given birth to this incredible genre uh, that we have. And, you know, pretty, pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And so um, one year and I'm toasting to you, I have some great scotch here, um, drinking a little bit of Avalor and um, quite a, quite a fan of this, quite a fan of, of many of the scotches that come from the space side region. Uh, but Avalor is, is most excellent and I'm sipping that one for you. Um, so thank you for all that you've given us. I hope that you're, you're enjoying, uh, your time up in heaven, looking down on, on everything that you have created and helped to foster and create, uh, and in many cases, mentoring a lot of guys that, that were coming up. Um, and whether you were doing it directly or you were doing it by proxy of, of us just listening, um, you know, with our ears. But it's pretty amazing. And, um, you know, so thank you. This I know I can speak specifically. This podcast would not be here uh, had it not been for you. And, of course, several others, several others in the genre. You know, William Cooper, uh, Dr. Michael Savage is another one. And, and really the inspiration for a, a lot of, of what we do. And, of course, I know Alex Jones as well. Um, you know, it, it, whenever I get down, whenever I'm, um, you know, kind of, get a little depressed about things and, and, you know, trying to find that muse and that inspiration. Mm -hmm. I look back to a lot of that and uh, a lot of what you guys have done uh, in in the past and and how you guys pressed on through, through hard times. And I find that inspiration. Uh, So thank you. Uh, But anyway, with that said, we got Johnny paratrooper in the house. What's up, brother? Hey buddy. (laughs) I am ready. Crack the beer. Oh God! Oh, oh, oh! Ah, there you go. <laughs> oh man, Spr- I sprayed it all over the walls. But the uh, the Ooh. beer stayed oh. in the can though, which oh. is nice. <laughs> oh, <sighs> really? Really? I mean, did you expect anything more or less? No, no, I did not. Well, I did here not. we are. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I'd like to give a I'd like to give a a fine shout out to Palmetto State Armory for getting my gun to me. A um, big shout out to I'm Palmetto State it. Armory. You know, they're a they are a site affiliate of AmericanPartisan.org. And in the show notes, you will see uh, you will see links to several of our affiliates. If you click on those links, you buy their products. We will get a very tiny kickback. Uh, just, you know, a percent or so goes to AmericanPartisan.org and, of course, uh, helps cover the cost for Radio Contra and all the fun stuff that we do. Uh, so if you you got to buy products from them anyway, so you might as well help out your boys, right? Oh, Yeah. That's right. Without a doubt. So tell me a little about that AR-10, man, my, my dude. Oh, I got the um, I got the uh, Super Semi-Automatic Enhanced from Geisley, which is a nice Ooh. trigger. I have a friend with a um, 
HK416 clone, and it and yeah. he got the super semi-automatic slapped into that thing. And it's uh it that's a fine firearm and the and the, the trigger's nice. And I finally I finally got one. Um those things are a little pricey. It's a 20 inch and it, it the the photos on Paul Meadows website don't do justice to what their quote like heavy barrel is. I'm thinking like, you know, medium heavy, right? Like it, you know, it's gonna be like a like a like a hunting rifle kind of a barrel. Man, this thing is three quarters of an inch around yeah, uh, it's, up it's to the, beefy. It's, it is a barrel dude beefy barrel man and uh and i'm stoked i think it'll handle the thermal shift quite well it it also apparently handles uh suppressors quite well so i'm excited about this gun man i pulled off the a2 bird cage put on a smith enterprises vortex and um and then I dropped a uh, loophole Mark IV 14 power, 4.5 to 14.5 power scope with a TMR on it. I got it set up just right. So when I'm in the prone, when you set up a scope, you're supposed to get down in the prone, look at something actually far away, not like your wall. And um, I got the reticle uh, leveled just right. Um, I have a little trick that I should probably do a post on to show guys how to do that. And, um, it works great, man. And, uh, and then got down behind the rifle, extended the buttstock all the way, got my, uh, got my eye relief set up just right on high power. You, you set your scope up on high power mm -hmm. and, um, and then, uh, and then tightened it down. I got a, a LaRue mount for it. Uh, they, I don't, they don't make this anymore. It's a old mount I bought years ago, and um, it's a it's called the what's it say right here? It is called the SPR one point five, and it was a pricey little bastard, but it works great. And um, yeah. yeah, we're gonna tear it up next week at the range. I'm gonna break the barrel in this weekend. I got I got three hundred rounds of M80 ball set aside for this thing. I'm gonna break the barrel in properly and. Uh, and then I'm gonna do it right, man. I I ordered a few little pieces to uh, make it my own, but other than that, man, it's it's a bone stock Palmetto State. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Once you do a barrel break in, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Once you do that barrel break in, that's gonna be it's gonna be pretty yeah. I'm cool. I'm hoping. I mean, best case scenario, I'm hoping to MOA. Um, but from everything I'm seeing on the net, you d like, and all the reviews, you don't have to touch the gas. It's it's perfectly adjusted from the factory. Um, playing with it just means you got to set it back to where it was. And then um, everyone's saying, you know, it's a one MOA gun, and some people are saying that some of theirs are half MOA guns, which is probably. They probably just have a good chamber. I don't think that has much to do with the barrel. Uh, oh, no. It, that's got everything to do with the barrel. Um, oh, contraire. The, the chamber, every... Here's, here's the thing. What separates a one MOA gun from a half MOA gun or less is finding the correct load for your barrel. 
Okay. And it doesn't matter what your barrel is. You have to find the correct barrel or you have to find the correct load rather for your barrel. Like it, it's a must, you know, like coming from the AR 15 world where, you know, people just shoot like whatever they get a thousand rounds of, you know, what, whatever ammo, uh, M one ninety three or like something that's called M one ninety three. All right. It's just a 55 grain bullet. You don't know necessarily what the powder is. You don't know necessarily what the velocity, the burn rate, any of those things are in the powder. You don't know who made the brass uh, in a lot of cases. Um, and so accuracy, you, you can have a barrel that is mechanically a perfect barrel once you do the break-in as well. That's critical. Doing, doing a barrel break-in, a proper barrel break-in, is critical. These guys can go out and they'll take like um, an, an AR or whatever and they are, um, you know, trying to, to shoot for groups, but they just took it out of the box. You haven't, um, you know, you haven't done a proper barrel break-in, you know, and, and your barrel is not going to be broken until... Well, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but generally speaking, at least 40 rounds, at least before you can even begin to think about starting to shoot for groups. And then you have to sit there and tailor what load for your rifle is proper. And I would say um, for yours, coming from uh, Palmetto States, that's a stainless barrel, right? Uh, This is... um... I think it's 4140 vanadium. Okay. Yeah. That's the Chrome Molly one. Yeah. So, um, in, in that case, their, their barrels that they make in house are outstanding. I mean, they, they really are. They Palmetto state doesn't get enough credit for, um, the barrels that they make in house. I think that they're, they're very well done. Um, they have a former Marine Corps scout sniper, who is the barrel inspector there. Nice. And nice. You know, a lot of people don't know that they, they don't sit there and talk about that. It's not an advertising point for them, but he's the barrel inspector. And, you know, in, in this day and age where you have everything that's done on CNC machines, for the most part, their barrel making process is very, very precise. Um, you know, as, as are all the major companies. And so, you know, you're getting a high quality barrel, um, you know, Palmetto State, if, if you just look at the sheer number of weapons that they're turning out and when you read on like ARFCOM or whatever, you know, people want to dogpile on some of the more budget friendly common man platforms out there. But they're doing that from an elitist perspective, because, you know, when you dump a crap load of money on a high-end weapon, you want to tell the rest of the world about it. I mean, the golf communities like that, the, you know, car communities like that, they, you know, everybody wants to be an elitist, you know, to, to prove that they're special, right? When, when the reality is, is that you can get something that's lesser expensive and do all the same things. So for the, for the AR-10, um, I would play around with the powder, um, get it down to the exact grain weight that you're looking for. 
um, that, that's going to give you the best velocity, but also the best accuracy. Um, you know, and, and do that, of course, at 100 meters, that's going to give you, um, you know, or 109 yards, that's going to give you your best um, accuracy potential, those five round groups after you've done the barrel break in. And I'm going to tell you, man, you, you're going to be pleasantly surprised at what you get. I would expect, you know, you're big into uh, 175 SMKs, right? I like a little bit of everything. I do not expect much from M80. Typically, any gun I oh, shoot no. M- M80 from, no. at about 600, you're shooting like a uh, beach ball-sized group. And it, and it really opens up. It's like you're drilling the target at three, four, five, it starts to open up. And then at six, it's like anyone, it's a coin toss whether or not you're going to hit a, a 20-inch steel plate. And yeah. um and then with um with my guns, I have a uh, M1A and a Remington 700 SPS varmint with a 26 inch heavy barrel, and that was actually a cheap that was a cheaper gun at the time. I think I paid like 500 or 600 for it about 12 years ago. But I have shot um, groups of 168 out of it at 585 yards, and I shot several golf ball sized groups at some eight inch steel plates uh, on a rack. And I dialed right down the rack, like reload, boom, smacked it, reload, next target, held off for wind, boom, smacked it, and just walked my way down the plate. And so I I have a few guns that are are pretty good. I, I just, you know, if it's somewhere between, I'm hoping my AR is somewhere between my Remington 700 and my M1A. My M1A is, is it's, it's a good gun. I really like it. Um, I, you know, no complaints here, but unfortunately the, um, I think the AR 10 is just the, the, it's a third of the price, you know, for one, like you want to get into long range with an M1A, you're looking at like three or four grand and that's before you put glass on it. So, um, you might get a good one. And you might find a good load for it and you can do it for maybe 1500 or two grand. But I mean, you probably want to spend the money on the, on the, on a good trigger and a good barrel, but yeah. Yeah. Well, with the M1A, uh, you know, the, the, with the M1A, you're going to get, um, the oh, I'll put it like this because there's going to be somebody that listens to this and sends me an angry email. Um, <laughs> huh. uh, <clears throat> so the M1A is a great way to spend a lot of money on marginal results. <laughs> it, it just is. Um, I look, I have a couple of them. It, it just is. It, it's. It's a great way to spend a whole lot of money on a rifle that is a designated marksman's weapon from 1950. I mean, that's or 55 or, or whatever. Like that. That's what it is. Um, I don't get me wrong. I, I love them for the nostalgia, but the you know, all right, what there's there's better platforms out there. Um, you know, and, and the AR-10 is is substantially a better platform. I think. Uh, the G3, the PTR91 is, is a better platform. But, um, 
you know, but I mean, with that said, the the AR-10, getting back to our, our barrel conversation, I would try it with 168. Um, load up some and, and see what it does. And, and if you, uh, you have somebody with a chronograph, which I think you do uh, up there, you know, you, you're, you're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to try all that. And I'm actually going to go on to, um, one of our, one of our site sponsors, like PSA or Brownells. And I'm going to grab all the one sixty eights they got in stock and just load up a, load up a bunch of them and just tweak, tweak the powders a little bit, try a couple different powders and, and see what happens. And uh, I think I'll yeah. be, that barrel. I think I'll be pleasantly surprised. What's the length you said? No, the twist. The twist. One in ten. Right. You know, standard yeah. three hundred eight. I mean, you can find one in eleven and one in twelves out there, but one in ten seems to be what the new industry standard. It used to be one in twelve, yeah. like twenty or thirty years ago. Some manufacturers my, uh, still make a one in twelve. M1A. My match M one A, I believe, is a one in twelve. If I remember correctly, that's why it shoots one sixty eights very well, but it doesn't seem to shoot the one seventy fives as well. Um, right. The, uh, I mean, it shoots. It's a half MOA gun with one sixty eights, but uh, the one seventy fives. It's just it's a the group size at two hundred meters is. Uh, I think the best I ever got with it was an inch. Uh, or not, not a 200. It, it was M, uh, one MOA at 200 meters, and uh, and like I said, it'll shoot half MOA at 200 pretty well with a with 168. Yeah. So over in the uh, the chat, I was putting in there specifically um, a little specifics on, on a load that I cooked up, but keep in mind, uh, keep in mind that I. When I wrote that in there, that is testing from a Remington 5R barrel, um, which has an 11.25 twist or one in 11.25 twist. Uh, so it's very specific, very, very, very specific. And with that, I am mimicking um, M118 LR with that. So um, <clears throat> it might shoot well out of a 110 or a 1 in 10. Uh, probably will shoot well out of a one in 10 out of a one in 12. It might be uh, a little bit too slow for that, but you, again, you just got to test it. You just got to test it. Check it out. Yep. Yep. You know, and definitely man, the, the barrel break in, I can't stress that enough. Barrel break in. I, whenever I see reviews online, gun reviews, this guy's review, that guy's reviews, like, okay. Did you do a barrel break-in on it? Did you do a proper barrel break-in on it? I'm talking about even for an AK, man. Did you do a barrel break-in on it before you sat there and and you got serious about your groups? And the fact of the matter is is that most people don't. Uh, They don't. If you want any kind of precision accuracy out of your weapon system, and I talked about this in the scout course, if you want any kind of precision accuracy out of your weapon system, and to be fair... Most people don't need that. They don't need it. They they don't need precision accuracy, you know, down to like a half MOA. One MOA is perfectly acceptable because how accurate are you? You know, how accurate are you for the most part? 
most That's shooters were in a, yeah it, i mean in austere conditions you know you just humped up a hill you're under fire whatever most shooters out there when they're calm and relaxed are between two and four moa they just are Okay, and and you have to settle down behind the gun and, you know, and get into your rhythm and your breathe, relax, aim, squeeze rhythm and all that stuff. Right. Um, So, you know, and and that's with us being calm. You know, you you throw somebody under a little bit of duress and all of a sudden, holy shit, you know, they're they're shooting broadside of a barn. Um, So, you know, is what it is. Uh, but barrel break in is absolutely 100% critical on all of your weapons platforms. You know, if you're expecting long-term to get any kind of, of accuracy potential out of it, um, you know, and, and every hundred rounds or so out of a precision weapon, you really need to be doing an, a thorough in-depth cleaning on it using Sweet 16, which is uh, a copper remover along with, you know, hops number nine solvent to, to get out powder residue, right? You need to be pulling the copper out of there too, because copper is just like plaque on your teeth. It's got to come off, right? It's got to come off. That stuff's got to come off so that those lands and grooves inside of your barrel are consistent for every single shot and that they wear consistently as well. Because if you have a lot of copper buildup inside of your barrel it's just like plaque on your teeth. It it's it builds up inside of those grooves, and you gotta pull that stuff out. Uh, sweets it, in the comments. Uh, I, I stand corrected. It's sweet seven six two, not sweet sixteen. Sweet sixteen is um, <laughs> a a birthday <laughs> yeah. party. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sweet seven six two. That is the product specifically. So seven six. If I remember correctly, the sniper manual for the U.S. Army says the first fifty rounds you should run a few patches through your barrel every after every shot, and then after yeah. every five round for the next fifty shots, and you do like a hundred right. round barrel break in, and uh, it. I might have that backwards, but you know, you'll, you'll probably be all right. No, that, that's everybody puts a little bit of a twist on it. Um, everybody has their, their way of doing it. You know, that that's, that's the book answer. It's absolutely not wrong. Uh, it's absolutely not wrong. Some people, depending on the weapons platform, will open it up a little bit. There's, of course, a question regarding, um, you know, nitrided barrels versus chrome-lined versus stainless steel. Um, you know, it, there's that question, too. And, and the thing is, too, man, we don't know enough about nitrided barrels long-term yet to make a, a serious determination of whether it is a superior process to chrome lining. Um, But it's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a nitrided barrel. Uh, Absolutely nothing wrong with a nitrided barrel. And um, you know, it's, it's something I personally look for. I know there's, there's some high end manufacturers out there that utilize nitrided barrels. Sons of Liberty Gunworks does. And um, I have one of their, their 13.7 inch rifles, 
uh, it's top of the night for us, NX8. And um, I have zero complaints. Absolutely zero complaints out of that rifle. And it's a, it's a beautiful weapon. Um, the barrel performs flawlessly. It is every bit the equal uh, to my BCM SPR. Uh, and both of those rifles, both of those rifles, by the way, in the Scout Corps, solid hits to 450, zero issues out of either one of them in the hands of the students. Um, so, you know, there you go. You know, so the barrels performing. Yep. So we had a question. Yeah. You were there. yeah. We had a question. Uh, what is the, what is your cleaning process step-by-step? So, uh, from snakes, so I'll give you, I'll give you my short answer. The short answer is I, uh, run a, a, a good brush, a, a sharp, fresh brush, uh, through my barrel. And I run that back and forth, you know, 10, 20 times. Right. And then, uh, remove that. And then I run a almost dripping wet patch of solvent through it a few times. And I keep pushing those out. Um, till they're not quite as black, it, it can take, you know, three, four, five, depending on how many rounds you shoot and how dirty your powder is. Um, and it depends on the gun as well. Uh, and whether or not it's chrome lined or nitride or stainless steel. But, um, and then after that, uh, I, 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 um, let it sit for a minute, probably about five or 10 minutes. And then you should run a few patches of like lightly solvent uh on your patch um through it and they it should be coming out green at that point bluish green and that means it's like dissolving the copper out of your barrel and then i do that i do i uh run a a a wet one through again and then wait another five or ten minutes but honestly like cleaning a weapon something i learned in the army Cleaning a rifle, even if you only fire a couple of rounds through it, is a is a multi-step process. Like it takes time. You have to oil it and then the the fouling and the and the carbon and the copper kind of leaks out of the micro fissures in the metals. And you really do I just ran a patch through my barrel um after cleaning it yesterday quite well. And I've never even fired it obviously it's brand new i was cleaning the machining oil and and stuff out of it uh yesterday and but I, I ran a patch through it before the show a couple patches through it before the show and it was coming out green again it was it was it had light green rings around the around the patch so it it takes it's not a one-step process where you can just sit down and clean your barrel it it really does take a couple days about 20 minutes half an hour of uh light scrubbing and and just picking at it and hitting it with some q-tips it's a little bit of a process yeah do you use a bore guide no i don't i don't believe in any of that stuff i just i just try not to you know scrape it i it i don't think the little the little bit of motion from like my my cleaning rod i don't think is going to i obviously don't like jerk it like hard to one side or the other you know i i I try to you know center punch it i do clean from the rear to the front on with the the only exception being on my m14 
which has to do everything different. You know, I have to clean from the front to the rear, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, just a, just another quirk about that firearm. That's kind of just something you got to so, live with. Boar guides. The, the role of boar guides is if you're using a cleaning jag, um, which I do. And if you are doing that, okay. A cleaning jag is, uh, got a very sharp, it has a, a spike in the middle and has a very sharp edge to it. Um, and you know, you put your patch on that, you put the, 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 uh, spear in the center of it and run it down through. You must use, if you're using a cleaning jag, you have to use a bore guide. Um, because if you don't, you're going to end up, uh, you can cause little micro fractures inside of your chamber uh, and in the chamber mouth. And, and of course, we don't want that. Uh, we don't want that because you have inconsistent, uh, inconsistent shots at that point. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's just one thing to consider. Um, the only deviation that I'll say from, you know, your um, cleaning process is close enough, uh, close enough to mine. You know, we learned at the same place. The only deviation that I'll say is that bore mop, you take a bore mop, uh, for, for your caliber. And I always dip that in hops number nine first and just run that down through the barrel back and forth a few times because it, it, it lubricates everything. It starts the process, um, you know, and then you run the brush through and then you run the patches through because especially on newer barrels that don't necessarily have the round count that say a line infantry M4 is going to have um, down through the tube. What you're doing is you're breaking loose all of that stuff that's in there, the powder residue, the copper, and you're beginning the whole process of getting it out. By the time you get to um, the, uh, the, the sweet seven, six, two, your process is pretty much over at the end of that. Uh, the only other thing that I do after hitting it, so you know, you hit it with a hop summer nine, you hit it with the patches, you know, you're you're pulling everything out, you run the patches until you don't see anything anymore. Then you are uh, running dry patches through it to clean out any of that remaining solvent. Then you're gonna run the sweet seven six two once, you, and, and you're doing the exact same with that sweet seven six two. I'm gonna warn everybody out there: put on gloves while you're doing this. Okay, um, latex gloves, probably a good idea. Cleaning gloves, probably a good idea. This is not stuff you want to get on your hands uh, or contact with your skin or your eyes or anything that's porous. It, it can make you sick. Okay, um, but you pull all of that carbon, all of that stuff out, and then you run rubbing alcohol through it. Uh, you run rubbing alcohol through it, and that is the final step in the process that's drying everything out. Okay. Yep. And, and, you know, it's something in Afghanistan. Um, we would do this, and, and, you know, we were sitting around, we cleaned weapons, and with the, the precision marksmanship weapons, it is very vital that you are doing this, this last step of the process. You're cleaning everything out because what you're looking for in a precision marksmanship weapon is consistency every time. I mean, you guys have heard me say that many, many times now, uh, consistency equates accuracy. 
Okay, consistency equates accuracy. If you do not have consistency, you're not going to have any kind of accuracy. That goes for you, that goes for your weapon system, that goes for your barrel, that goes for everything. Okay, your ammunition, every everything that all comes together to boom, and then, you know, you hit the target, right? So, you know, and it's all what you want. Again, it, I mean, if you want a precision marksman's weapon, those are the steps you have to take. You know, it's discipline. Um, I had a, a, um, a lady in class in the scout course who was wearing a hat all during the course. I, I thought it was amazing uh, that said, you know, discipline equals freedom. And, you know, there you go. And discipline of weapons is, you know, discipline for your care of weapons is absolutely a big part of that. Uh, absolutely a big part of that. No matter what weapon system it is you're running. Um, you know, doesn't matter what it is. You need to clean that thing. You need to clean it. It's one of Robert Rogers's standing orders. Yep. So you anyway, uh, what about al- the alcohol, the, uh, when I started shooting black powder back in the early nineties, <clears throat> that, that was just something I thought about because you, you can't keep the bore of a black powder rifle oiled. Um, you shouldn't. I mean, it, you know, it's a good good way to <clears throat> have an issue with your powder um, having a problem. So I started when I would clean my weapon. The last thing I would do after running hot soapy water through it and everything else, last thing I would do was take um, and and put a, a bunch of patches through it with alcohol and and dry that whole whole bore out all the way back to the uh, <clears throat> back to the uh, the nipple. And never had a problem with it, and I never had a problem with corrosion either, which black powder weapons are known for. If you don't do it right when you're cleaning, or if you don't clean it, you, know, you might as well figure that hydroscopic uh, issue is going to get you quick. So, yeah, I'll definitely repeat what you said about the alcohol is, is a very important step, especially if you're in an area that has high humidity. Yep, which we are. Uh, most of us are anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I was going to introduce you, man. My very, <laughs> very good friend. My very good friend, Mr. J.C. Dodge. Yes, sir. <laughs> Live and in the flesh. Yep. Oh, my barrel is coming in tomorrow for my car 15. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. You know, somebody was asking me the other day how many thousands of rounds I thought I'd put through it to get it to the point where it was started having case head separation. And I had, I mean, I probably shot that rifle for 15, 18 years, a lot, um, until it originally, you know, because it, it was a 1 in 12 pencil thin 16 inch barrel. <clears throat> and, uh, According to Clint Smith, those are the only barrels you should have on an AR. (laughs) I love Clint, man. I love him, but he's got his quirks, you know? Yeah. And the, you know, I had thought about putting something else on it and I was like, you know what? I've got a number of M4s with with those, those style barrels. And I decided I was just going to go ahead and keep it the way I always had it. And, uh, but of course it's very difficult to find a pencil thin 16 inch car 15 barrel with a one in 12 twist. 
and uh, yeah. and, I and the ones you, you know did what? find are kind of junk. They they are, and so I just went ahead and got got that with a one and nine, which it, it's a lot more versatile for bullet weight, different bullet weights, and um, everything else about the gun, you know, is the same. So, and damn, I tell you what, you carry that on a long walk, it's so it's so light. The only five five six I have that's lighter than that is that uh, Keltec Su sixteen Charlie. And you're not getting much lighter than that in a five five six. So Oh yeah. I was yeah, just saying somebody the somebody in the comments. There's something some, something to be said for the old car fifteens, not you know, leave all the extra yeah. crap off of it. A one sights and well, just So I mean that, that's like Wes. Wes was in um uh the scout course. He's out there as as one of the op four. And uh, Patriot Man, you you know, you were out there too. And, you know, you, you saw his rifle um, that he was coming out. So, I mean, all my Op 4, which this this go-around, I'm usually blessed with a, with a credible Op 4 team. Uh, this go-around, I had probably the, the best group of opposing force ever. Um, <laughs> seriously. And uh, all, all you Bubba's that came together and listened to this, I love you guys. Um, seriously. But... Um, you know, Wes comes out and his rifle, he's using, I think, which for a period of time was really the, the most ideal um, AR rifle, uh, setup-wise at least. And it was it, it was like a good in-between the CAR-15 and um, a full-length AR. You know, you had all of it, but his was a, a, a mid-length with the standard handguard on it. And Picatinny rail top, right? So he's still got the front sight post, and he's still got that. that yeah, and, and it was a mid-length yeah. rifle, and he had yeah. a, um, a small prismatic optic on it from primary. I think it was a uh, one of the primary arms two powers. I think the the 2X that they make. I think that was what he had on it. And, um, man, he, I mean, he's just, he's slaying it. Um, just absolutely slant it. And that rifle didn't weigh anything. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it is honestly, honestly, um, the, you know, like it's neat to see, I was having this conversation with, uh, uh, Badlands on the last podcast I did with him. It was something he brought up and, and we were talking a little bit about it, about retro builds and how they're, they're coming, kind of coming back into vogue because people are, I don't know, man, like the, the shooting community is weird. The younger shooting community can be kind of like weird trends and whatnot. Um, but I think more and more people have got out of, of the military. Like they, they've separated like all of us have. And like, we're, we're becoming more vocal in, in the firearms community. And we're kind of like, hey, all right, look, you know, like all that fancy shit's nice, but you got to carry that stuff. And, mm -hmm. you you know, uh, Joe Dolio was talking about this, too. And, and uh, with the last uh, radio contract I did with him. And um, when you're when when you're carrying a rifle that feels light in your living room, you know, like you're you're standing there and fondle fucking that thing. And, it you know, it feels awesome. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's one thing you go and carry it up 
you know, a bunch of hills and do some fire and maneuver with it. And, you know, like, like we do in class and you start to realize that, you know, the difference between seven pounds and seven and a half pounds is a lot when, when you're smoked. It's a brick. <laughs> yeah. The difference is a brick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it starts to, it, it really starts to work on you. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it, and there's a lot of people out there that they, they just don't know until they know. That's why I, I tell people, I call it, it's, uh, it's measured in foot pounds. After you've gone about five miles or further, everything starts getting measured in foot pounds and you're starting to think, man, that extra pound on that rifle, putting a lot of extra, it's, it's just like they say, what is it? For every pound you lose, it takes four pounds of pressure off your knees. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's a perfect example. I mean, that's, and that's why you and I were talking about the, you know, IR lasers and lights on our weapon and everything. I've made sure mine, I can take mine off in, in 10 seconds, both the, my purse four and, and my, my light, because, you know, there's a good chance it's not even something that's necessary, especially if it's a, if it's a daylight wood, wood, woods patrol. Um, it's something that can get hung up on things. Uh, it, it adds, even though it's ounces, it, it adds weight. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm generally carrying some type of 308. So <laughs> six ounces can make a big difference in, uh, and how much more that that particular gun weighs? I mean, hell, that that HK ninety one is uh, nine and a half pounds. Uh, Ooh, so. you better get on that gear to carry that one around. Yeah, well, that's what that's where <laughs> the uh, that's what the uh, game cart's for, right? <laughs> we'll start uh start start drinking some of that Rams piss like a German. Yeah. See, we we carried that thing, man. <sighs> ah, it's rough. Yeah, yeah. And that metal collapsible stock on the HK is a little heavier than the synthetic too. So, mm. but I mean, it's it's a shooter, and I mean, just like that M1A with the Sage stock. I mean, you and I have talked about the Sage stock oh. a lot. Oh. That is a tank of a stock. <laughs> but there's no carrying, you were carrying a tank. <laughs> yeah man there, there's no easy way to carry that rifle man seriously like there there is i carried it one truck. time with that sage stock <laughs> there was no easy way to carry that rifle it's like bro i've carried the 240 like a rifle on mm -hmm. patrol and it it carries fine like the it it is it you know it, of course it weighs 28 pounds it's just yeah, but it, it isn't right. Balance. It isn't bad. It, it, I mean, whatever, right? But man, holy shit, that that M14 EBR with that saying, <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. Like the the traditional stock, and even the uh, the McMillan, uh, the McMillan stock they were putting on the M25s there for a little while. That mm -hmm. that stock is fine. Like you, you carry that; it makes a world of difference. It's not that bad. You put that EBR yeah, stock the on there. Is, is pretty, pretty nice too. That's what I have on that match. Right yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Springfield, Springfield was putting that on. Uh, was it the the six five? You did the review on that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I compared the six five. That's why I bought an Archangel for my three hundred eight. 
was the comparison I did between the 308 and the, uh, the 6.5. Um, they were the loaded models, so bar match barrel sights and trigger. And uh, I I like the that Archangel stock so much. I ended up getting one and fitting it on my my, my 308. So this, I mean, yeah. luckily the Sage I have is on a 16 inch SOCOM, so. The balance is a little bit different than I, I've never carried one with a 22. Um, the balance is a little bit different, and it's it's not too bad. Yeah. But I also I, I liked carrying the saw, so you know that's. Oh yeah, you you were that guy, but you're. I mean, you got the you got the. <laughs> I'm a lefty too. I hated carrying a 60, but I didn't mind carrying a saw. See, I'm the opposite, man. I I love 240. It's like you you yeah. put a two forty in my hands, man. I'll carry that thing all day. Like we we're good. Um, well, I didn't like the sixty because it put brass up my nose. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah. Yes. I yes. I, we didn't I have the, the closest thing I fired to a two two forty. First couple years I was in was a mag fifty eight. That's just two forty without the the heavy yeah. handguard. Um, it was so, how they all ended up anyway. Yeah. We ended up taking yeah, I, all that I, mean, crap I did off. like the Mag 58 and I like the HK 21, but the uh, M60, uh, it was fun to fire from the prone, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's because I get down and just shoot it right handed. But uh, the saw, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like the saw. Yeah, man, let's let's move on down the list. So we're 48 minutes into this thing. Holy crap, Patriot Man. What is up, brother? What's up? What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, how have you uh, recovered from the the epicness of the scout course? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we did a number, didn't we? Um, we did. That was a great class, though. That was a um, a class of 24, 25 students. Um, we had seven out four in the first two days, and we had another seven guys roll in. So we had like it was basically twenty five on fourteen for the for the final exercise. Um, and that class, you know, we talked about it in class, but I've been to a lot of scout courses and I haven't seen one that had coalesced together so quickly. And that was surprising given the size of the, the number of students that were there. So I was highly impressed by yeah. that. And um, just watching their movements and the development from the beginning of learning everything to the exercises was, was awesome. And then, of course, at night we uh, <laughs> burned it down with some, some delicious um, – Kirkland brand, um, which was which was awesome, and a lot of other stuff rolled in too. Um, we uh, we did a number. I, I saw some people dragging the next morning a little bit, <laughs> but uh, Kirkland, that was a good time. Kirkland brand is highly underrated, highly 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 underrated. underrated. And and the only reason I knew where to get it is because <clears throat> a couple of the guys that I trained with a couple of times in your classes uh, listened to uh, maybe a, maybe a dozen SOLs ago. We were talking about it. And they shot me an email about where to pick it up. Um, but yeah, and then on the way home, you know, my, um, uh, like a week before I went down there, um, a woman was in the um, driving in front of me, decided to come to a full stop in the left lane of a highway. I ended up mm. in the median, like 10 feet from trees. And when she did that, what unbeknownst to me, my caliber got stuck. So there's grinding hey. noise. You know, normally I drive straight home after the scout class, but I got a hotel after because it was kind of bad weather and I didn't want to chance it. And uh, eight hundred dollars later, I had to uh, replace the caliper, a rotor, a couple brakes, 
um, all because oh. of that seized up. So, um, yeah, and, and what I love best is I'm sitting in the median after having not hit that car, the other car, the guardrail, and end up in a drainage ditch and instead just 10 feet from trees. And she pulls over, doesn't check see how I'm okay, just gives me a little half-hearted sorry wave and just keeps driving. So I wanted to <laughs> ring her fucking neck, but I just kind of sat there for a sec, collected uh. myself, and continued driving. So that was my adventure on the way home. But the, uh, the trip was, as always, outstanding. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. And it, it's... Um... It's good, man. It, it, seriously, though, it was it was pretty pretty damn amazing. Like that course was pretty amazing. The the every every course has just I mean, man, it blo- it, it seriously blows me away um, to see guys that really um, come together, that coalesce, and and it, yeah. it just man, it, it it's all the best times of the army. And none of the none of the stupid ones. Um, and and we know. had we had two females in class. Um, yeah, we had a husband wife combo, and then we had another female. And it, what was cool was not just them, but other students. You could tell were uncomfortable with the kind of shooting and the kind of um, activities we were doing. And in the beginning, you see them loading their rifles, and their hands were shaking a little bit. They were nervous. They maybe never done a training class before. And by the end of it, the familiarization and the confidence in which they operated their weapon system, uh, that was really cool to see. And it always happens. It never fails that people come in nervous. You know, they may have never done a training class before and they're nervous, you know, and, you know, they're shooting on a line with people they've never met, you know, as they're shooting, people are watching them. So they feel all eyes are on them. And so they're nervous. And then at the end, they're pinging steel at 425. Yep. You know, it, it's, I mean, I tell them like, I'm not doing anything. They're the ones that are doing it. And, uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, it's pretty amazing, but, um, anyway, <clears throat> getting down to a little bit of business here. Now that we're almost one hour into this thing, we've got a few things on tap. Of course, this is the false flag mortar shell edition. Uh, because the news, in case you haven't caught the news out of Ukraine, um, this is an interesting one that has went down and we've got a, we've got an update. So I'm still working on getting that update button, that news alert button, like the, the Fox news, news alert, red alert button. Um, we, we, we don't have that one yet, but I'm going to get it. Um, but anyhow. Anyhow, there was a a mortar shell, artillery shell, right? We're not real specific on what's going on here, uh, but indirect fire, right? Indirect fire, meaning something that was launched from a tube, had a a big arc path, and then lands uh, and hits something, right? So um, anyway, it hit a kindergarten that didn't have any kids in it or whatever the story keeps changing originally they were saying you know oh there were kids there they got shuffled into the basement or something and now uh there weren't kids there school was closed i i don't know uh who knows what the truth is i would think it'd be kind of interesting to have um 
a kindergarten in the middle of a demilitarized zone with a ceasefire, but you know, I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, th- that's just kind of odd to me as well. But anyway, um, we're going to be talking about that. I want to cover uh, switch gears over to this very interesting story about Give, Send, Go getting uh, hacked and this uh, quote-unquote hacktivist uh, who was hired. He's, he's done stuff on part of um, Antifa and Anonymous and everything, and this guy is completely unhinged in a video that he released. This guy has gone into hiding now. Um, people, man, the, the knives are really after, uh, this dude as they should be. I mean, you, you can't go around doing fucked up stuff and threatening people and expect no retaliation. Right. And in his video, in, in his video that he did where he was completely unhinged, he was talking about how nobody was going to do nothing to him, you know, and, and, and now here he is right now. Here he is. So anyway, um, Getting into this Ukraine thing, though, backing up a little bit. Ukraine-Russia crisis, latest news. Biden accuses Moscow of false flag operation to justify invasion. Of course, we know for a fact that false flags exist. Crisis actors exist because the State Department, and I love the U.S. State Department. Let me tell you, I love, love, love them. They are, let me tell you, they're amazing a shining model of competence for the American people right there, United States State Department. Boom. Uh, but anyway, the spokesman for that who went out there on live TV, whether he was supposed to say this or not, he probably got fired right after this, uh, posted to you know Antarctica or something, but saying that, yeah, false flags are real, right? False flags are real, and crisis actors are real, and that's probably what the Russians are going to do to justify an invasion. And it's awful interesting to me that at 0-3, a Russian invasion was supposed to happen on 16 February, and it didn't happen. And so now we've got the news, uh, which has updated us at 0228 on 17 February 2022 0228 so there's 32 minutes left on the clock for them uh, to shift the goalposts uh, the US president uh Biden the US resident I think it's funny too in in this article uh MSN by the way they don't have US president capitalized this is something uh, a little interesting thing a little interesting tidbit here but it says the threat of russian invasion is quote-unquote very high after ukrainian government source says shelling looks like provocation a uh, 0228 rushes on the brink of an all-out conflict in ukraine according to australia's defense minister i'm sure that was independently verified um peter dutton i wonder if he's going to the uh the, the um the yellowstone people Uh, But anyway, Peter Dutton told Australian broadcaster Nine Network on Friday, it's tragic and we'll see terrible scenes unfolding. You would expect that President Putin, who obviously can't be taken at his word as manufacturing some sort of trigger or is in the process of executing final stages of his plan to go into Ukraine. Dutton said while European leaders have attempted to prevent conflict in Ukraine, he believed Putin was intent on military action. 
that is, or that really is going to result in the loss of innocent life. Um, here's, here's the thing. Uh, and now of course, another update, Blinken is going to meet Russia's foreign minister, uh, Sergei Lavrov, who posed with uh, circleback Jen and her pink commie hat, uh, earlier, um, you know, and she was all smiles. Of course he was smiling to you, but for a different reason. Uh, anyway, there's nothing coming out of Russia about this. There's no, the Russians are not saying anything out of this and there is no, um, they're not really rattling their sabers. It, it's very interesting to me that this is all Western sources that are saying, you know, obviously this was, this came from the Russian side, obviously, uh, because a whole is a whole is a whole, right? <laughs> um, it's it's just, it's fascinating to me that these guys keep hammering this false flag narrative. They keep saying the same things. They're repeating the same things over and over again. And, you know, they, I've never seen a group of people want a war so bad. Never. Um, this is fascinating to me. That's fascinating to me. What do y'all think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I'll say is um, I've been trying to see some of the um, uh, analysis. You know, I'm trying to get a broad perspective, you know, what's going on. Ukrainian sources, Russian sources, American sources, you know, one of the reasons why we have all the sources on our website is because you can cross-reference. Um, there, there are indications that there's a large amount of Western provocation in this. Um there are also indications that they have at least taken some basic steps towards if they were to do it, this is what they would do. Um, you know, one of the guys that you you mentioned before, uh, Dolio, Joe Dolio, he's been uh, following this a lot on his on, on his Twitter. And you know, like over the Nepper, there's um, they they built a temporary bridge, um, just so they can move units uh, across. So like in that aspect, you're like, okay, well they built this bridge. Like sure, it could have been an exercise, hundred percent could have been an exercise. Also could have been, hey, we're setting the stage. Um, it is interesting, and I think it's, to your point, the Russians aren't going to reveal their hands. And so we're just doing all the talking. And and I don't understand why these guys think that it's a good idea to say, oh, at 3 o'clock on the 16th, there's going to be an invasion. Because if I'm the Russians and I'm like, well, let's make, let's, let's make them look even stupider, if we, even if we had it organized, you know, Let's push it a day or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand this, this idea. They're predicting the exact day and time that's going to happen. Like, like I'll believe it's not going to happen when I see a lot of the troops heading back. Right. Cause, cause to me, there's two parts of this. There's one is the fact that the United States wants a reason to get involved, which is one part of it. The other part of it is the Russians. I mean, there's legitimate, argument that they would at least go into the opposition areas and kind of set up shop and say, huh, too bad. We have it now. And there's really not much that Ukraine's not going to be like, we're going to fight to take them back. Ukraine's going to be like, whoo, they, they didn't take Kiev. Um, so I, I think that's, that's kind of what's lost here is that there are these two parts. Do I think that there's still a high probability personally of Russia, at least moving into the kind of like the little green men in Crimea into the opposition areas? Yeah, I do. I, I personally think there's a high probability. 
Do I think we're going to get this conflict in which the Southern United States is going to flex its muscles with Dementia Joe and we're going to get involved in this World War III? No, I don't at all because, I mean, he's pulled the troops out of out of Ukraine. You know, he, it's a lot of saber rattle and him trying to look tough on the world stage to distract from domestic. I mean, it's a, it's a classic play we've seen forever, right? Flexing the muscle on the international stage so that domestically, you know, some of those problems go away because now it's all Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, Russia. Um, so I, I, you know, there are people who are saying, you know, every time the, the date is missed for the invasion, everyone's like, see, I told you they weren't going to invade. It's like, well, okay, let's not say that yet. We can say that our Intel was stupid for like, even if they knew the time and date to come out and say it, but like, I'll wait to see them turning around before I know for certain they're not going to invade. So I really think there's two things at, at play here. Yeah, I, I don't disagree a bit. Um, I think the the especially with the the little green man aspect of uh, the the quiet uh, the quiet occupation, the polite occupation, like they did with Crimea, um, definitely a factor, man. Definitely a factor. Uh, other guys, what do y'all think? I think it's a bunch of baloney. <clears throat> I think that Russia's just like messing with everybody, to be honest with you. You just come US. out of nowhere and give your assessment. Oh, hey, everybody. What's up? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, it took half a second. I was like, damn, his voice got low quick. And then I was like, oh, no, no, I know who that is. No, I think uh, I, I think this is a dog and pony show for something else. Like uh, you know, Scout, you mentioned it on um, one of the other podcasts. I can't remember what Radio Contra was, um, or maybe you posted an article, but it was like you know, while everybody's focused on Ukraine, uh, here's what's happening on our southern border and in yep. South America. Um, yeah, that was last. You know, night I was talking about that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was. Sorry. I've been driving five hours a day, so it's like I'm in the twilight zone. Um, Yeah, like all my days are blurred together. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that I've been keeping my optics on the southern border. Um, Obviously, keep your head on a swivel. And, you know, I'll look at some articles and see what's going on and look at some videos. And recently, I've been looking into this... uh, Canada, Canada trucker thing. Um, I just posted something on AP. It was a video I found of uh, what almost rivaled when CNN got caught in London with the uh, Muslim protests, and it turned out to be like 12 people. Um, and it was totally staged. It was like the cops arresting yeah, some. It was like the it, so it was the equivalent because you know they have all these cops lined up and. They all have their their safety green vest on, and there's this guy who's just acting. Literally, he's acting. That's all it is. He, he's pretending to be belligerent and drunk and obnoxious to the cops. And one of the lady cops tries to tackle him and winds up slipping and busting her ass, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but then on the news, you see them reporting arrests, 
but then they don't show any actual arrests. So it's like, all right, well, you guys have cameras there because I just saw a video of news cameras and now you're not showing any of the rest, the arrest footage of the alleged arrest of one of the leaders of this whole thing. That doesn't seem likely, especially because the guy was supposed to have been arrested on site. It wasn't like they kicked his door in or anything. Um, so there's some more false flags for you. So it seems to be going around. It's not just Ukraine. Um, as far as Ukraine, I'm still worried about the cyber attack thing. I, I think, you know, if, if this whole situation isn't controlled, then something's going to get out of hand at some point. I can't really point to anything specific, but I think cyber attacks will be likely the most likely scenario. I 100% agree, by the way, as well, with cyber attack. I think it's a good it's a good excuse for them to probe. I mean, we already know they're probing, right? Critical infrastructure, SCADA, all that stuff. And so could be a little test run, sure. Um, but I, I am highly, highly fearful of one of their cyber attacks because we really don't have any defensive capability. I mean, it's so patchwork in the United States that I wouldn't even call it a defense. It's like we have, hey, you should, guys should be doing this. There's really no comprehensive defensive strategy, and our critical infrastructure is not in any way, shape, or form pardoned against it. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. So, shifting over to the truckers, since you you put that video up, I thought, which was, um, I just took a look over at that. And very, very interesting. Been a lot of interesting news that's been coming out of Canada, of course. Everybody knows uh, Trudeau has made a move to freeze the accounts of anybody who is a political dissident. It begins a slippery slope, man. But I'm going I'm to tell all of you that what they're doing there, they want to do here. And they're going to do that here. They're at least going to attempt it. Um, you can expect it. You can expect it, man. But um, with that said, um, you know this this thing. They, there ain't going to be any any uh, end to this in sight. They're, they're just going to keep escalating this thing. And there's been now a huge run on the banks. So, what are you guys' reaction to all of that news? Uh, earlier today, it was, it was reported that banks were shutting down or had shut down, were non-functional. Uh, JP, I know you and I had a, a rather interesting conversation about that earlier today. Um, so you guys' reaction, you guys' thoughts. Well, I think the, I the, think... Banks, the banks, they just, uh, you know, they're, I think this is just one big cover. I, I, it, it's an excuse. I think the excuses they're using um, happen to coincide with, with the issues that have uh, been building up uh, for the last couple months at a minimum. Um, it, it's just like everything else. Like, COVID was quote-unquote convenient because they were able to cover up a lot of things that, you know, uh, Building 7, World Trade Center, what was in there? And that dropped how many hours after the uh, the other two towers? I mean, it just, I, I'm, I'm sick of the convenience, and, and I don't anymore. If 
it looks like it's convenient. Um, I believe it's actually it's enemy action. It's them them doing something and they're just using it as, as some type of cover. Yeah, true. Uh, Madman Actual in the comments you were saying you don't see a reasoning for a global banking run. Um, elaborate on that a little bit. Oh, I was just um. Yeah, somebody said it could go global. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not into the uh, economics part of this whole ordeal, uh, but I, I don't, I don't first. I think the Canadian banking run was probably a result of them saying, "Hey, we can now seize your bank accounts," and Canadians were like. Oh shit! I better go get a bunch of money out because they're yeah. probably gonna shut. You know what I mean? Like they were like, "Well, if I can seize my bank account, I might as well just go get all my cash out now, so they can't mess with me." Um. So, you know, am I saying there's not gonna be a global cash run in the future? No, because you know, there's a whole litany of reasons why that would happen. Um, in this case, I don't think that it's going to spread as a result of Canada. Because they're pretty small. Like, that's not a lot of people pulling cash out uh, globally. Because, you know, Canada's not that big of a... They're not that populated of a country. Um, yeah, and I don't think the Canadian... Um, they're not going to let that happen. Because, I mean, someone said in the comment, it's, uh, you know, Castro didn't think through the unintended consequences. He didn't. And so he didn't realize that, you know, oh, we're just targeting these these truckers, these bad dissidents, these evil people, but other people are going to get nervous. I mean, and they're going to start pulling some money out. They're going to pull everything out. They're going to be like, well, maybe we should have a bunch on hand because, like, maybe they will have to freeze this or maybe this transaction gets held up. And that's why they're, I mean, just reports everywhere of ATMs not working, signs saying you have to go down to this ATM and then that ATM, whatever signs, you got to go to this one. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to fail. Um, as, uh, Michael, I see you in the comments are saying, their banks aren't going to fail. Ours won't either. I, I, yeah, absolutely not. I don't think it's going to cause their banks to fail, but I do think it shows a little bit the limit of what the government can do there. I mean, a short of like straight up, like everything's frozen and y'all are fucked kind of thing. Um, it shows that, yeah, they can freeze the accounts and it's very, I mean, there were people who they had insurance policies canceled. I mean, people who were posting, emails that they got that like hey yeah well you're apparently at this protest and your account was frozen we were notified and now um we canceled your insurance so it's not i mean obviously the point is to make the consequent economic consequences so severe as to um force the compliance but it's not even about the truckers at this point it's about saying you step out of line look at what we can do to you and i think that's the warning that we in America should take because I think too many people are going to look at what's going on in Canada and say, "Oh, it's no, there's no way that they would do there." The hundred percent would do that here in a heartbeat. Um, so I think that's the real takeaway. I don't think the the you know maybe you know some people in our line of thinking maybe they might go to the bank and take out some extra cash um, just to like, well, if this happens, I need to be able to you know have you know which you should already have you know that's a whole other conversation about how much cash you should have out of the bank and 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 not in the system um but i think that'll be 
the big takeaway from this. Not necessarily that you know the same thing's going to happen here, but this is in some ways a very a, a test run. I mean, we we know the the influence the World Economic Forum has on these governments. I mean, Klaus is on radio saying you know one of the things they've done is that they got their disciples in all different parts of the government and the and all these different countries. And the example he gives specifically is Trudeau. So we know that this is just a kind of a dry run. It was a convenient excuse to JC's points, convenient excuse. Um, Patriot Act was a convenient excuse after 9-11. Um, all these lockdowns and, and forced government compliance is a convenient that they had ready and waiting as soon as something like this would happen uh, with COVID. So um, yeah, I, I don't think it'll spread into a bank run, but it definitely is a lesson that we should be looking at and adjusting our plans accordingly. Wholeheartedly agree. What do you think, Johnny? You've been awful silent over there. Oh, Patriot Man called me out on Green Dragon the other day and said I talked too much. So. I, I didn't fucking oh. say that. I did that was that was mech. I was there. I was there when that happened. No. Yeah, he was so, there. I'm sitting there. I saw it. I supervised the entire thing. Did, I just magnetic. want to say, Johnny, do you do you feel like you were bullied? <laughs> I needed a safe space after that, and luckily, I was in an academic environment and in our Green Dragon Academy Multicultural Diversity Center. Which is located in room sixty nine sixty nine. Nice. But do you <laughs> okay. have a gimp that, or a gimp, or a simp, a simp that pretends he's a dog? Because, I mean, if you don't, then what's the point? You know, like that's we, the new sliding. Well, that that's where you, we're at now. That's we do. For- that's for paying members only to find out whether we have oh, members only. <laughs> <laughs> I will say two things, JP, before you give your, your comment. One, that Go was ahead. that that was Mac, not me. But I I, I, I was shit, not in my head in agreement. Um but Damn, I he you, ain't even I here was, to defend him. I know, I know. That's why I'm throwing one under the bus right now. And the second thing was <laughs> to 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 your point, when I connected, you know, I texted JP, I was at Scout class, said, Hey, if you're still on, I'll, I'll pop on and say hi. I log on and the first thing I'm greeted to is a whiteboard that says Patriot Man D's nuts. All right. So that just set the tone for the entire conversation. Got him. That's got fair. him. That is that is true. That happened. I was I was crying when I saw that. I was Look, uh, the whiteboard at Green Dragon Academy is like an Egyptian steel. Okay, it's carved in stone, and it's going to be around for like four thousand years. <laughs> All right, we're about the eighteenth hey. dynasty. This motherfucker over here. So, um, man, what do I think? Man, that's. I mean, do we have enough time left? Do it up. Do we it do. Up. We do. We have. We have uh, forty-three minutes. So I think. I think. I think. I think Madman's on the money for the them freezing the bank accounts. I don't think they wanted to trigger a landslide effect on on people cashing out. I also would add to that, and I think uh, Madman, as a as a former agency guy, probably would agree with me. When you are trying to track people, especially all of this money that's flying around. 
And and I'm extremely suspicious, as you mentioned our conversation earlier today about the the trucking protest. When you when you told me that the, the banks were frozen, I was shocked. For one, I I, w- I was sh- shocked. I mean, that's a that's that's a big move. I mean, that's a big bold move. But uh, I, I I thought about it for um, about forty five seconds, which is all I really needed. And I think that I think the truckers' protest is curious because it started around uh if i believe january 14th is when it really started to hit the hit the net and i think sometime within a week it had been hijacked by people who we just don't know i mean if somebody on the internet declares themselves like the king of something you really gotta you really gotta be a little suspicious about about that. And I mean, declaring yourself the commandante of the Mossy Oak militia, that gets two thumbs up. But really anything I, I else say, though, that's... any yeah, Bro, no, that, you're right. That is trolling. <laughs> that is trolling at a PhD level because you don't even know who I'm trolling when I say like that that's the thing. You don't even know you, you guys out there. You don't even know who it is that I'm trolling for the backstory. But the dude who I'm trolling, there's there's actually two of them. I know for a fact that I live rent free in their head, and <laughs> it absolutely drives them insane when I say that. And that's why I do it. It's also catchy as shit. You, you got to admit that's it's that's pretty catchy. But I do that for a fact. I do it for a fact. Uh, it is well, catchy, and I think you should hit them with all of the rent-free at maximum velocity. L O L. Rent-free, man. I'm rent-free. I'm just saying. It's you know it it. I mean. That was good. I'm going to pat myself on the it's back for that. Easy. So, it's too easy. So, yeah, and, I think they... And it's really funny. I think they froze. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny to see people's reactions when they, they're like... Um, certain people's reactions, they're like, Oh, my God! It's... <laughs> like they, this uh, certain individual in particular was like... Oh my God! Uh, now there's gonna be there was now anybody wearing Maltiocas got blah blah blah, blah. They're gonna make it a symbol. Like, yeah, you retard. That's the point. Like, that's the point. That's it's it's to show that they it's so literally so retarded. Um, that man, I, again, I'm just trolling. I'm just trolling people. You know. Just like, just like Limbaugh, man. He Limbaugh, Limbaugh again. You know, going back to the beginning of the show, Limbaugh had his little inside jokes that he trolled people, and you didn't know what it was all about. Like you didn't know the backstory, and you didn't even have to. You just knew that he was trolling somebody, and that was good enough. Like this is this is good yeah. enough. Savage does it too, man. Savage, Savage is still like I, I listened to him the other day. I didn't listen to him in a long time. And um, I listened to him the other day, man. He was going on and on about somebody. And I ain't going to say who it was, but I figured out who it was. Of course, we know, like, Wallbanger. 
Um, you know, he was, he's talking about Hannity and then uh, the, the fake university guy. He was talking about uh, Prager. You know, because Prager's got Prager U, and he, he makes fun of that. Because, I mean, he's, he's a legit <laughs> PhD. You know, Savage is a legit PhD guy. So he's, and, and these guys shit on him at one point. So, you know, like, they, they took a shit on him at, at one point when he was coming up. So he's just like, screw these guys. You know, I, I'm just going to – I'm going to be successful, and, and then I'm just going to make a career out of making fun of them. Uh, but he was making fun of another guy, uh, calling him Squeaker. And I know who he's talking about. And, uh, you know, th- this guy is kind of, he's kind of a big deal right now. So, uh, you know, I, I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to spread drama around, but I'm just saying it's pretty damn fun. <laughs> he had a recent rant and I'll have to dig back through what I was listening to, to find it. It was pretty good, man. It was pretty good. Um, and he, he was doing a rant on the squeaker dude. And <laughs> I was <laughs> so man this is this is good uh this is real good but anyway yeah i mean the, the calling yourself the commandante the mossy english that's all i'm gonna say is it's trolling the people the the specific individuals in question that i am trolling they know they are gonna listen to this i know that they are and I'm just saying, your house is still up for sale. I hope you get a real damn good price for it. I hope you dig your way out of debt. You come back from it. Um, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you well, brother. I wish you well. Here's here's to your health. Taste of a little bit of Avalor. Yum. Mm, mm, mm. That's good. That's real good. So anyway. <clears throat> back to anyway, you know, so well, diatribe over. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny though. I love hearing the behind the scenes stuff because it's amazing how deep the enemy infiltration goes. I mean, it's really it's really incredible. Oh, yeah. Not surprising, but it's it's incredible. So um, I think uh, I think I think Madman's onto something. I think they froze the the bank accounts. Because I think, you know, Canada is obviously smaller in many respects. And, and that also applies to resources they have to track all of this money that's coming from out of the country. And uh, I remember reading something a long time ago. Any money that crosses international boundaries becomes um, the jurisdiction of both parties. And they, they um, in good faith should be working with each other on that. And I think, I think by freezing, they are allowing the resources to play catch up because I, I, I would suspect they started bouncing a lot of money around and finding some, some pretty sneaky methods of getting that money up there. And so I think they're trying to play catch up on all that. And, and, and I think the limiting factor is their resources. I, I don't think they pulled the plug on that because they they just thought it would be fun um so purely from a manpower perspective i i think that's i think that's one thing they did um and then um on another note somebody on the forum posted a a a video of somebody who has a motorcycle channel which is also a political channel apparently and 
Yes. And so I was thinking about that on the drive home today. And I was like, gosh, who is a famous, he's almost sainted, almost knighted. You know, he's a martyr of the left wing. They like to wear his T-shirts. He's into motorcycles and politics. Yeah. Scout, I'll, I'll give you one good he guess. a diary Scout. about it. Yeah, he wrote some diary about it. Ernesto Guevara. Yeah. And so I think I think it's been hijacked. And if a YouTube video is getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views, when ordinarily it only gets 20,000 views, I think they're I think they're pumping it up, man. And I think the usual suspects are behind all of this. And I wouldn't be surprised if the trucker protest gets a lot of hype over the next couple of weeks. Well, simultaneously, it's being kind of dialed back. If, if I was the security services of Canada and America and any of the other countries that were involved in, in trying to shut this down before it does real economic damage, I would approach the guys who are not suspicious characters and I would say, hey, you know, we think that some nefarious actors have hijacked your movement. We totally support you, but you're about to do billions of dollars worth of damage and the billionaires don't care because they're just going to pass any liquidated damages on to the consumer, which is us. So, you know, the billionaires don't care. The government is losing some tax revenue, whatever. They don't really care. They're in debt anyway. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to get kind of, I think the whole trucker protest is going to get, I think it's going to go from the trucker swipe, uh, strike to the trucker sweep. And they're just going to like kind of sweep this away. And then we're going to move on to the next phase. And about um, one other thought I had in my head about the um, cyber attacks that Madman mentioned. I know for a fact that the state of Maryland suffered from a ridiculous cyber attack about two months ago. And it's curious because it, it kicked off kind of when the whole Russia-Ukraine thing was kind of building up to a head. And the cyber attack to me until recently really didn't make any sense. It just kind of seemed like a jerk move until I was talking to some guys and they were telling me about how they had responded and deployed, uh, Maryland National Guard had deployed to uh, Estonia this is all, none of this is top secret or secret at all. And they were wow. practicing electronic warfare against <clears throat> Russia. So this was cross-border electronic warfare between Russia and Ex Estonia. There, there you go. So there you I go. think they hit us with an attack to punish us for training other forces around the world and knowing that we would... Like the Maryland National Guard is pretty badass as far as National Guard goes. We have some really cool units, yeah. Mo mostly due to the fact that we have huge, huge intel community. We have NASA, so that also ties into the in intel community. We have Goddard Space Flight Center; it's tied into NASA. Yeah, um, and One we of also my have teammates a came from the Maryland National Guard. He he came from their LURS company. Back when they they had a, a long range surveillance company there in in the Maryland National Guard, um, who was that? He he actually he went to Ranger School, 
with them uh, or through them. Nice. That's that how he got his, his slot to do that. And then he came to active duty, and um, he, he's a cool nice. dude, man. He's he, he and I – I've told you about him before. Um, What's his grew name? Grew up inner city Baltimore, and, um, you know, real – he he's – seriously, man, he, he's one of the coolest people that I knew um, – my entire time in the army, one of the coolest guys that I work with and, uh, love you to death, brother. If, if you ever hear this podcast, you, you know, um, but, um, yeah, he, he's, he, he's, he's a good dude. He ended up, um, he was an older guy too. Um, he was in his late thirties when wow. he came to active duty. Yeah. He, he, he's an older guy, kept himself in incredible physical condition. And, and, but man, I thought it was crazy, man, you know, being on active duty for, for a while at that point. And, um, you know, national guard kind of what was, what it was like, you know, had, had that experience with them in Iraq. There was a lot of, uh, national guard support units and it was like, all right, you know, that you kind of roll your eyes and like, whatever, um, and, and again, that's, that's not denigrating them. Um, but there was that MP company, my second tour in Iraq where, you know, they, they were just, they were real pieces of work. Like, like every one of these soldiers, if they had been mine, I would have chaptered out that entire company. The, the company commander included, they, they were worthless and, um, Happens. freeloading, didn't do anything. Use they were just useless, man, and and um, it it was a command problem, but man, honestly though, like um, when when um, other guys though that that came to active duty from from the guard and they had come in from um, certain places like the Missouri Guard was squared away. The guys that I met that had come from there were squared away. Uh, or uh, Missouri and Arkansas, because Arkansas, Arkansas National Guard runs a sniper school mm-hmm. now. And um, wow, like you, that's uh, awesome! Yeah, they, they have guys that go down there and they get their Bravo Four. And um, when um, uh, AMU can't run it or One Two Nine can't run it, um, they they send them over there, like it, it because the or at least they did. I, I know that they did a, a couple of years ago. They were still doing that. Um, cause a buddy of mine that is still active duty after all these years, I mentored him when he was a Joe, when he, he was a new guy and, you know, now he's, he's, uh, uh, getting up in, into, uh, senior NCO ranks. And, um, he went to sniper school there over in Arkansas. That that's where he did it. And, and, um, it's pretty cool, man. So, but yeah, it, it you know, they, but you're, you're exactly right about uh, Maryland and, and the Maryland National Guard. And that, that's really fascinating. Um, it's really fascinating, man. You know, you, you those are pieces that you never really put together either of like, I, um, what the hell's I'm really not sure why. I'm, it's true. Um, our cyber attack, when, when I meet you uh, next time I'm with you in person, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you more details. Um, I, you know, I got a face where people just like to talk. I also, you know, <laughs> and you have these new Podbean uh, classes, and you 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 did the John Reed. You covered some John Reed yeah. stuff. Um, there are multiple ways to interrogate people, and one thing I learned 
from uh, reading John Reed, and I, I haven't touched it in probably 10 or 12 years, but you can, you can ask uh, lead questions. And it, the idea is to like open up the conversation. It's kind of like when you meet somebody and you're like, so uh, nice weather we're having, right? It's, it's like an etiquette question. Yeah. And, uh, and it, the idea is like, next thing, you know, somebody's like, oh yeah, you know, I, it's nice weather out. I took my, you know, sports car out. Now, you know, he's a car guy or yeah, it's nice weather. You know, I went, um, golfing the other day. Now, you know, he's a golfer, right. Or, uh, I took my boat out the other day. You know, it, there's these lead in questions that, that open up a whole world of possibility. And after working as a bouncer, bartender, being in the military. I mean, I can shoot the shit with the best of them. And I, I have a, I have this way of getting, getting info out of people that just is, is, you know, just pretty, I'm fairly impressed with myself. Some days I found out um, the other day that we are probably looking at like the worst fentanyl crisis in we're all, we're starting off this 2022 going into the worst like opioid crisis to date, which is cool, man. Thanks. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Brandon, you know, good, good work, dude. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Well, unbelievable. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, look at, look at who we're not at war with, but probably should be, you know? <laughs> and, and I mean, especially with stuff, I, I, I mean, in all seriousness, like, that are being talked about now as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look look at what's going on in Venezuela. Like the, the war. And no, nobody out there is talking about this, man. Nobody out there in the podcasting world is talking about this. Nobody in international news is talking about this. I'm going to tell you something. This, this is how I was tipped off to this, to this situation that I'm going to tell you all about. So um, the other night, when I was finally um, winding down, right, and and I'm skimming the news channels, I just skip over uh, PMS, NBC, and and you know, Commie News Network. Truth be told, man, I really don't watch Fox either. I mean, because you're getting the same thing; it's just retooled for the neocons. Like that's all you get. Um, you know, they're bringing you the same thing, but with an attractive face. I mean, you know, so. It is what it is, man. You know, I, I mean, I like uh, I like the ladies of Fox too. I mean, Emily Campagno is just really, um, although she was she was hotter when she was a cheerleader for the Raiders, though. Uh, look pictures of that up. You could be like, "Damn, girl." Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, though, um, you know, just flick your channels, put it over on RT, just out, out of curiosity, see what they're talking about. Because you've got all this, this you know, the beating of the war drums over Ukraine and all stuff. See what they're talking about, man. See what the opposite uh, side is here. And put it over on there. And they're not talking about Ukraine. Like, that's not, they're not even really bringing that up. They're not, it's, it's whatever. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about how Nicaragua is now part of Belton Road. They're talking about how Argentina is part of Belt and Road. They're talking about how Bolivia is part of Belt and Road. 
They're talking about how the Caribbean nations are part of Belt and Road. They're talking about how they're sending a squadron of SU-35s that are Russian, Russian SU-35 flankers and Russian maintained. They're sending them to Venezuela on top of Venezuela buying them. They're talking about the proxy war that's going on on Venezuela's border with Colombia. And they're talking about how that's a proxy war between the United States as a um, as the backer of the Colombian government, which is, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. Right. And how, you know, they're bolstering their great ally in Maduro and Venezuela to bring stability to the region. Of course, they're saying that it's the same language that we use just on the other side. Right. And that's what they're doing. Right, how Venezuela is part of Belt and Road and how this is all. Right, so that's what they're telling you. And the other side is telling you this. It's all the same language that we use when we talk about regime change and all this different stuff, right? All these things that we're, we're doing in the great geopolitical game. They're telling you, and, they, and it was so fascinating to me because this is, this is the other side of the coin. Like this is this is what they're doing in our backyard. And so now you start to put the pieces together. Why is it that all these people are quote unquote being organized and being brought up into our southern border? Like what's going on that is occurring here that is leading to what what is the course of events that's leading to this? You start to put all that together and you're like, man, you know, bigger picture here. There's something else that's going on, right? There's obviously something else that's going on. When you're talking about, um, you know, military stuff and, you know, invasion or peacekeeping operations, any military operation, your logistics have to support those troops that you are sending to a forward area, period. The Russians don't have that capability, okay? They, They do not have the logistical capability they don't have a staging capability you ain't got that okay the russians don't have that and they don't want that all right they don't want that the chinese don't even have that okay the chinese do not have that can they facilitate such things based on their area of interest yeah uh they absolutely can right they absolutely can and they are both of those nations are and they are doing it utilizing what they have built in South and Central America. And that is the thing. I've been saying this for years and years and years. I've been saying it in, in you know, very beginning of the Brushbeater blog too. I, I wrote a piece way, way back in the day where I was talking about that. And that was back when everybody was focused on, you know, all of this group or all of that group or whatever. And it's like, look, you're not understanding. Okay, we created proxies in different places. Sometimes it blew up in our face. Al Qaeda blew up in our face. Sometimes it works. Okay. You, you never really quite know when you're getting into the work, the, the murky stuff. Right. But meanwhile, while we've had the, all these adventures going on in the middle East and wherever else, right. We've had all this stuff going on for the past 20 years our real adversaries have been outmaneuvering us and they've been doing it in a really very interesting way. And we're sitting here 
screwing around worrying about Biden's fucking piggy bank, right? Burisma. And he's, you know, beating the war drums to save a bunch of NATO never has been's, right? Worried about these dickheads. Look at our southern border. Look at our so we're so we're gonna sit here. They want blood for Burisma. When you boil it down, that's exactly what it is, right? But they're not gonna protect our southern border. They're gonna they're gonna literally piss in our face. They're gonna put these incompetent buffoons in here in critical points of our infrastructure. Look at who they just put in charge. This joke that they just put in charge of our nuclear waste disposal. Right, nuclear waste disposal, this is what you make atomic weapons out of. Okay, this is dangerous stuff. And you put a guy in there who is, according to the, the last real DSM, this guy should not be where he is. He's not in a position to be trusted. And this is what you're going to do. This is what the, you're going to put him in charge. You're going to put, yeah, and it is him. You're going to put the this this category in charge. Okay, don't give me the crap about how, oh, well, they do, but they're, they're just as capable. No, psychologically, man, that dude is damaged goods. He does not qualify for a top secret clearance. And you're going to put him in charge of, of some of the most sensitive things that we have for global security. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous by any stretch of the imagination. But the worst part about it all, the worst part about it all is they're doing it and they make a spectacle out of it to piss in your face and to piss in my face. And that's exactly what it is. They're thumbing their nose at you saying that you're, you don't matter and we're going to ram all your normalcy bias down your throat. Right? We're going to ram your standards down your throat. And we don't even care about it. And we're willing to forego the stability of the world. And believe me, you, you can't believe, serious, it, with a straight face, that every other nation of the world is not looking at that and saying, what the fuck? I mean, really? What the fuck? You know? I mean, if that dude, like J. Edgar Hoover, was a weirdo, all right, man, but it, it was alleged that he was a weirdo. He didn't come right out in public wearing women's clothes and doing all the stuff that he was doing. Right? He didn't he didn't do all that. You know, and and it, it was alleged that he was. And the Soviets used that as as a point of propaganda here domestically. Right? But this guy's right out of the open, man. This dude's a fucking fruitcake. I'm and you're going to put him in charge of nuclear waste disposal? <laughs> I mean, man. God. Need a drink after that one. <clears throat> You know, it's interesting because in Baltimore, they're putting these, I, I, I guess it's Homeland Security funded, but they're covering major water sources to protect them from a potential uh, contamination attack using radioactive materials. Just interesting that also China doesn't have access to all of our uh, plans for our nuclear reactors yet, namely the material sciences that go into the the construction of one of those. So uh, they'll probably get it now, though. Well, speaking of irony, Maryland's uh, correctional uh, establishment apparently is going to start teaching CRT 
and requiring officers going through in-service in the academy to do CRT, meaning they're gonna, the, the white officers will need to be apologizing for their whiteness. And when you consider 85%, about, about 80 to 85% of the uh, population in, that's locked up in Maryland is um, black or at least minority, but black. Think, think about the, the ramifications of that. I mean, that's, that's somebody purposely trying to completely destroy the system in that particular environment. It's bad enough in school, but in that particular environment, a correctional setting, I, I was told, that, I mean, that's crazy. Well, a friend of mine, he just retired um, and I asked him, I said, well, was there a particular thing that, that made you decide, yes, this, this is the, I'm, I'm done. And he told me that when he found out that he was going to have to start teaching that, um, I said, wait, what? He goes, yeah. He said, I'm going to have to start, I would have had to start teaching white officers that they need to apologize to black inmates for their, for their being white. You know what's interesting about that, though, is like one of the largest movements in the prison system is Nation of Islam, which believes that white people are evil and you need to kill all the white people and white women squat down every nine months and military reinforcements roll out. But that's like the official teaching from the Nation of Islam. And they allow it in the prison system. Sure. But, you know. Yeah, NOI, it, NOI uh, is know. also one of the more disciplined groups of inmates. They, they, that's, yeah, because they're, the they're trying to get out their, so they can spread Islam. They're the ones walking around with their shoes polished, with their with their uh, button-down shirts pressed, buttoned up. Um, that, that's if generally if you see uh, somebody like that that just coming out of prison. Um, you can almost be assured that they're, they're NOI. For sure. Yeah. I grew up in, in Baltimore. I know all about the NOI, man. They're huge <laughs> in Baltimore. But yeah. Like I said, that, that CRT thing, you get rid of it in one place in, in schools. And granted, if they're, if I was going to pick one place for them to teach it, it definitely wouldn't be the schools, and I'd say, okay, let them do it in the prison system. That's going to end up eating that place alive because all they're going to do is end up losing officers. Correctional officers aren't going to take that crap. They're going to say, you know what? You can shove it up your ass sideways. I'll be damned if I'm going to apologize to, to somebody who is a piece of shit in society. You know, that, because here's the thing. If you're in a state prison, You've done shit a lot, and you finally got caught. This isn't some, you know, county lockup or something like that. You know, generally speaking, in the prison, if you if you've done if you're doing state time, you you are a shitbag as far as society is concerned. You you need to be there because that's you're you're getting you know uh, they call it a year and a day, so you get state time as opposed to county time um, uh, whenever you got a sentence. And that, so, so you know, like I said, the, um, the majority 
in Western Maryland, you know, the majority of officers are white. Now that is starting to change, like in the Hagerstown area, they're getting a large influx of um, African officers. That was a big thing in Jessup, Baltimore. That, that, that's been a thing there for years. But up in, in uh, Hagerstown, um, you know, it's, it's starting to become a big thing. But to tell an officer that he has to apologize to an inmate because of race when, when they've, they constantly, over the decades, have berated someone for even thinking about uh, judging someone by the color of their skin until it's the opposite effect they want they want to happen. That's just like I said, I the the irony and hypocrisy of of that whole scenario it, it, it almost makes you laugh until you think about the the larger implications and how dangerous it is. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous because. So anyway, in... <laughs> I was uh, I, I was in the comments reminiscing. Uh, somebody had brought up uh, Sir Elton John, and um, <laughs> so I wanted to point something out uh, real quick that that kind of went down a rabbit hole real quick where I was talking about um, some some wonderful experiences that I had uh, thanks to Sir Elton John, uh, the inimitable Sir Elton John. Um, so I'm just saying like, you know, you, you do you, if, if, you know, you, you, it's, it's whatever, but, but the thing is somebody sent me a meme earlier. Somebody sent me a meme earlier when it, and it was a uh, transgender when, when you don't get enough attention being gay or something <laughs> to that effect. Yeah. It's, it's a sliding slope. And, and now it's like the transgender thing is passe. So where do you got to go from there? Oh, now you gotta, now you gotta dress up like a dog and all this other stuff. Like what? I mean, what, what is all this? So like, I mean, this is just crazy. At this point, it's just crazy, and and it's the la it's the laughing stock of every other society in the world. They look at this kind of thing and they're like, "Man, these dudes got too much time on their hands." I mean, really, yep, you know? I mean, Elton John, man, Elton John, Sir Elton John got a lot of dudes laid. I'm just saying, I'm I'm just pointing <laughs> out a fact. Right? These these are facts. <laughs> I can tell you, for me, if if you can sing and i'm talking about if you are drunk piss ass drunk but it's the end of the night and you can at least mumble along the words to tiny dancer you're getting some booty i'm just saying <laughs> it's i've seen me do it or george Michael. um so i'm just yeah it's you it, it's happening right it's happening so you know don't don't be hating on sir elton john he he is amazing uh, George Michael. George Michael's another one, man. George Michael caught a lot of flack back in the day. Hey, he got a lot of dudes laid, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, he, he George Michael, he, he put out some great music. Got a lot of dudes. Got a lot of dudes hooked up with their old ladies. This, you know, um, I was listening to George Michael with the old lady the other night. And, um, you know, it was, we were just listening to random stuff. We had a few minutes. 
to ourselves. We're just sitting there. We're relaxing, listening to some music, and, and bam, George Michael comes on. We're like, damn, he was great. When we were growing up, damn, he was great. Uh, but yeah. now, you know, now, now it's, it's a sliding, it, it, it's just, it's continuously sliding. I mean, and, and I feel bad for this kid, um, that they put in charge of a job that he is obviously unqualified for. And he's got all these, these other mental issues that are going on. He, he's got, uh, that have led him down this path. And, um, when this story broke, Patriot Man, you, you did uh, a little bit of looking into this dude and he's, he's got a long history. Like it, this was on Wikipedia. So take it with a grain of salt if I remember right. But this dude had a long past of, of abuse. Did he not? Yeah, he did. Um, if you remind me of his, um, I forget what the fuck his name is. Um, yeah, I don't know. His name. Uh, yeah. It basically like one of the taglines was like, he rose from the ashes of like a very traumatic and abusive childhood, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And, um, and we were like, Oh, well, yes, that makes perfect sense because but he didn't survive it. <laughs> no, no, he, he came out, he came out broken in the, right. in the, in the broken way that he yeah. is. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and so now this, you know, you, I mean, you can say we're all broken some way, but this dude is fucking broken. Like, in 18 pieces and clearly not right in the head. And now suddenly he's in charge of nuclear waste. Like, okay, wait a second here. Like this this affects right. it doesn't matter. It's, you know, yeah. like, like this cat needs mental health counseling. He needs help. And, um, I mean, it, you know, it, it's just, it's out of hand, Look at but you know, I mean, head. of course that's why all y'all out there are listening to this. I mean, Bernie Sanders with a mop head, the medical crap that came from Pennsylvania was, I forget what position Biden. Oh, yeah. Levine. Yeah. Oh, Dickie Levine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that. Yeah, that's another. Maoist Millie is a football buddy. (laughs) Yeah. They're still bros, apparently. Yeah. Of course. They're in a club and you and I ain't in it. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, you mentioned we were talking about George Michael a while ago, and the the hypocrisy is, in 1987 when I graduated, he put out a song "I Want Your Sex." They couldn't play that on the radio until after midnight because <laughs> there, there were stories. oh man, and, and now they, yeah, they, yeah, I remember they've that. Got, they've got they've got the, I remember that the, song. Uh, they've got the the friggin' trans people doing dances for kindergartners in school i mean think about that that's 35 years 34 years you know that (laughs) yeah Uh, anyway with four (laughs) minutes left on the clock guys last words we're all screwed it's about degree take care of you and yours Prepare for it and, and don't worry about the, the specifics. Just prepare generally and yeah, train. The biggest thing is training. Make sure you're ready for it. Uh, all I'll say is um, get out there, test your gear. Um, don't buy something, stick it on the shelf and be like, hey, I'll figure it out later. Um, you have time, test your gear out. Um, you'll often find that uh, the gear you have needs to change in some way or doesn't work. 
seen it plenty of times. Scout course, the kit that they started with is not the kit they end the class with. Yep. I posted something on AP about the migrant invasion, and I think that is probably the answer to why we have a fentanyl problem. Again, that's worse, even more so. So, yep. Nice. Just remember, just remember that everything we're doing right now is totally useless. If you're not reading your Bible and abiding by it. Amen. Amen to that, brother. Amen. Amen. Cheers to that. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. It has been great. Once more, Sons of Liberty being on the air. We're not going to have Sons of Liberty next week. I'm going to be down in Tennessee teaching the RTO course series uh, RTO Advanced RTO and Signals Intelligence. However, guys, with that said, the following Thursday will absolutely be on the air, and I am looking forward to all that. I got some great interviews lined up as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. God bless all of you, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Sensi Scout out. <laughs>